is alive, it's living, Father, and it instructs us in the ways of righteousness. According to your word, it says that. And so, Father, today we ask that your word will become a living substance in our body, that we will now sit down and feast at the table that you've prepared for us in the midst of our enemies. Whatever is around us, we can sit down and feast on your word today. Whatever, Father, is around the circumstances we find right now, Father, we thank you you've created a haven for us. You've created an oasis where you provide for us in the midst of whatever circumstance it is, it doesn't matter because your word will sustain us. And so, Father, we honor your word today and we ask, Holy Spirit, you would come. Give us ears to ears and ears to hear, eyes to see in the spirit what you're saying to us, Father. Unravel mysteries today and let us, Father, feast together in your presence. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. So take your seats now as we come around the word of God. How many here know what a movie night is? How many have had a movie night? You know, my daughter and her children, she has four children, they have movie night, and it's like this huge event every Friday night. And so last Friday night, um, they, they were having a movie night. They sit down all together with their treats and their lollies and everything, you know, and everyone's there, they have tacos, they do everything, and they sit down and they watch a movie. And the good thing about a movie is that you have the beginning, you get the plot, you, you watch it, and after 90 minutes or so, it's all over. That's quite a bit of a relief. And I wanted to kind of jam a little story into this next few minutes and make it like a visual movie for us today. I want to talk about uh, two Bible, carrier, uh, Bible um, characters these two women, and just their story of how, because they worked together and because they found themselves in the situation, it actually made their whole life um, possible to live in victory. And we're going to have a look at the, um, the compelling story of Naomi and Ruth. In the book of Ruth, there's four chapters. It takes you no time at all just to read it. But when you start to look at what happened to these two women's lives, it's amazing. And the story begins in the time of Judges. And uh, the Judges were what Moses did. He, he, it was before the, the season of the kings. The Judges were coming and they would work, work in their community. And this is where this family scenario begins. There was a certain man and his name was Eli Melech from Bethlehem. And he was married and had two sons. And uh, in that land at that time, there was a very severe Famine. So there was no food. So this guy, this, this father, he's thinking to himself, what am I going to do? And so he decides to take the family on a journey to Moab, which is about 60, 60 miles on, uh, distance on the other side of the Dead Sea. And he takes them and he th he just, he's thinking, you know, I'm going to just go and see what I can do. I'm going to take my family. I'm going to take them over and see what, uh, what, what the situation is there. So he goes. It wasn't a permanent move because he had a little plot of land, but he couldn't grow anything. He, he couldn't feed his family, so he decides to move. And they set off as a family. And, and they come over to Moab and they begin to, you know, uh, work and, and he gets food and everything, but in a, in a time, the father dies. He f actually dies. And so now we have Naomi, the mother, who is now with two sons, 
She's got two sons, and she's like, what am I going to do? So after a period of time, these two sons, they end up um, having wives. They marry. So they go, and they marry. They grow. They marry, and they they marry two Moabite women. One was Ruth, and one was Orpah. And 10 years went by, and the, the relationships were growing, the family was growing, there's a husbands and wives and everything, and then the two sons die. So now you have a woman who's living in a foreign country, her two sons die, her husband, she's a widower, she now has everything in her life taken away, stripped away from her. There's no way she can have any more legacy. There's no way she can have any more, you know, hope. Everything's, it seems like she's absolutely stripped of everything. So now she has two daughter-in-laws and she's thinking to herself, what am I going to do? These three women sitting in Moab, widowed, all three of them widowed without a future legacy. So now Naomi finds herself a widower no heirs, she's lost her sons. Everything she thought that could go wrong now has gone wrong. She is completely empty. How many times have we ever felt like we are completely alone and completely empty? Well, this woman know, knew exactly what that. She felt the Lord had also dealt with her bitterly. She was dejected, so she decides she's going to now go back to Jerusalem. She's got nothing. She's going to go back to Jerusalem with her daughter-in-law's. She actually hears, in Moab, she hears that God has visited her country with food. She hears that in Bethlehem, where they're from, there's food there. So she decides, that's it, we're going to go. She's going to go there. They set off. Now, as she sets off, she's like, these two girls, I'm going to take them. I've got nothing to give them. So she says and begins to compel them and says to them, you know what? I want you to go back to your families. Go back to your hometown. Go back to your family. Go back. And, uh, you know, maybe you can get some husbands there. I can't produce any more children. So go back. Go back to your family. And so they began weeping and weeping. Now you got lost. Now, you, now there's another level of being rejected, not wanted. Now here these women are, are, are in this dilemma of being absolutely traumatized by decisions that they have to make. And she says, go, leave. I can't do any more. She compels them. It's heartbreaking. And they weep together. So many questions. Why did all this happen? How come there's such a hopelessness and a pain? No answers. And they're, they're all inconsolable. They weep. And Orpah decides, that's it, I'm going to go back home to my mum and dad. I'm going to go back home and try and rebuild my family, rebuild my life. I'm going to go back. So she leaves. And now you have Naomi and you have Ruth. And here she is, Naomi saying to Ruth, Ruth, come on, go. Go back home, go back home. And yet she just begins to cleave to this woman. She cleaves, she cleaves in her deep love for Naomi. She pours out her heart. Right in the midst, we hear these phenomenal words. Let's have them up. Ruth 1, verse 16 to 17 in the Amplified. And here Ruth answers her, Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God 
my God. And where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you from me. So here you are. Here's the thing. She she has such a deep love and such a deep conviction within her heart. She has this family and she doesn't want to lose this family. She has this life with this, with this Naomi and she knows she's a follower of God and she begins to cleave onto her, not only to Naomi, but to the whole, the whole concept of this amazing God in her life. Ruth. Family was so important for her. And the first lesson that we really see here is that family is so important. Yes, Ruth is an amazing woman. She's full of courage. And now she's going to take the risk of taking her life on a journey with Ruth, with her Naomi, her mother-in-law, and not know what it is. But her love compels her to grab a hold. She was courageous. And she, she, her decision impacted her life. And also that of what was about to happen. She just wasn't thinking of herself. She had the context of family. She, she, and that made her, because of this love within her, she could make difficult decisions. And Ruth did what was right. She loved her mother-in-law. She was knitted to this woman's heart. And she declared that in this, in this scripture, she declared how she loved this woman and she cleaved unto her, and she followed her heart. This conviction was so deep. She didn't abandon her mother-in-law. She valued their relationship. It was such a deep relationship and allowed her to make this great action, take this action. And Ruth, at that moment, began to look at a bigger decision, a, a bigger picture. She was going to step into a new season. She's leaving Moab Everything she's known, she's going to leave what she's known and she's going to step into something brand new, something she's never, ever seen before. She's going to step in and there was an open door for her and here she was. She stepped into a new season with single focusness. I am not leaving you. I don't care what happens. I'm embracing this relationship. I'm going to embrace this new destiny. I am not leaving. She was embracing a new identity and sometimes the very people that you're sitting with in your family are linked into your destiny. And you need to be aware of that. So Naomi and Ruth, they travel 60 miles on foot to women in precarious situation. Things could have happened. Things could have gone wrong. And they come and they walk into Bethlehem. And the entire city stands up and they look at these two women who come can we have the photo of just of these two women just for a minute? Can you imagine them walking now into Bethlehem? And the entire goes, isn't that Naomi? Isn't that the wife of Emelech? Isn't that, isn't that the woman who went out full? And they come up and she's, they're like, who is this woman with her? And then they hear the story. They hear the tragedy that she's lost not only her husband, She's lost both of her sons, and there are no heirs. There is nothing. And now you start to see her heart pouring out. And she says to them in, in the city, she says to them, you know, and do you know her name? Naomi means pleasant, pleasantness. And here she is. They came out to meet her, and guess what she says? Don't call me pleasant. 
Don't call me that anymore. Call me Mara because bitterness has hit my life. Bitterness situations have hit my life so much. I want you to call me bitterness. Call me bitter. Call me what my circumstance is. Call me, call me after those situations that I've gone through. Call me. But you know what? The Bible never, ever refers to her as bitterness or Mara. It always comes back. And the lesson we learn from this is that you must never let your struggle become your identity. You must never let the challenge that you're facing become your identity. You may have experienced tragedy. You may have experienced things. But allow the Holy Spirit today to release a fresh anointing on you. Do not associate yourself with a time of bitterness. But allow God to prepare you in the midst of that, she was about to step into a brand new season. She could not see what God could say. But here Naomi was coming into Bethlehem. The house of bread is what Bethlehem. And here she came in empty. And yet God had a, a plan over her life. God had something amazing to happen. She came out. She went out full but came back empty. And now she didn't realize that that. This new season she was stepping in was a time where God wanted to meet her. Never let your struggle become your identity. Say that. I'm not going to let my struggles become my identity. Because that's not. You have, you have Christ in you and he is your wisdom. Naomi, she was overcome with bitterness. And she began to speak. This is who I am. This is what it is. So we need to keep a watch on our mouth. When we go through challenges, we keep a guard on our mouth. Yeah? Keep a guard on our mouth. And so that we, 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 we don't allow that. We don't allow the, those bitterness to come in our mouth. Without knowing it, Naomi was about to enter a miracle. Her mess was just about to become God's miracle. Your mess, what you're in, is going to be a miracle. God wants to turn your mess into a miracle. God wants to take all the stuff that you can't work out and he's going to make it into a miracle. But you need to keep yourself from negativity. Don't let yourself begin to speak uh, yourself out of your breakthrough. Be careful, guard it. Listen to what the scripture says in Proverbs 4 and verse 23. It says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. From there flows the wellspring of life. And this has to do with keeping guard over your thinking, keeping guard over your affections and your will and your discernment. Keep guard, keep, keep guard, keep watch over it because God is working, God is doing something. But every time you're frustrating because you don't come into agreement with what God is. And here, here was Naomi. In her, in her distress, she began to speak and and speak over every, every, everyone who came to meet her and greet her and to welcome her back. She's like, oh, don't, don't, don't give me any good news. Don't give me any hope. Don't give me. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't want to go. And yet she was walking into a new season of breakthrough. And she, so we need to learn from, from her. Guard our mouth. Guard. But it's... 
Put a guard over our health. Don't speak the circumstances. Speak, speak by faith. Don't speak, don't speak what you're hearing um, or seeing. Allow God to come. And, you know, the Word of God de- declares that the story goes on. I love it. You've got to read it. You've got to read this story, right? So here it goes. They come in. And now you've got Naomi and Ruth in this little community, in this city. And Ruth gets this idea. I've got to get some food. I've got to get some food. So she goes out. She says, Mom, can I go and glean? Can I go out and get some food? Yep, go. Go out. And so she runs out to one of the fields, and she sits in the field, and she begins to um, glean and asks the guys in the workers, can I glean? And there is a, there's a law in Israel that says that when you have your crops and your wheat and your barley fields, um, they're all up ready to harvest, you are to leave the edges for the poor people. Always leave the edges for the poor people. And so she comes, and of course they say, yeah, you can. And this plot of land happens this very plot of wherever, of all the different plots that she could go to happens to be a relative of her father-in-law, her late father-in-law. So there she is. She begins to glean and glean and glean and goes out and works hard and diligent. And she finds favor with the workers. And of course, you see now that the, the rich bachelor, can you get this, all the romantics in the house, listen to this. The guy who owns the field is a kinsman. He's a person that's uh, actually Naomi's husband, the late husband. It's a family member, and he is a bachelor. He's older. He's filthy rich, very rich. And uh, he comes out, and he sees this girl, young girl in the field, and goes to the worker and says, what's she doing here? Who is she? What's she doing here? Who is that? And they tell her, oh, this is Naomi's daughter-in-law. She's a Moabite. She's come here. She's been so good, so good. She's caring. She's loving. She's supported her mother-in-law. She's come. And we said, yes, you can glean. Okay. So Boaz begins to, he begins to um, give her more favor. He says, oh, okay. So he goes out to meet her. He says, look. I'm glad you're here. You stay here. We'll protect you in the field. You work with all of the people in my field. You keep, keep close to my workers and we'll watch it. And he begins to favor her and favor her and favor her. And this rich old guy begins to favor this young girl. And so time passes. They go from one season, the spring, into the summer. And here she is gleaning and working the fields and po- bringing in all the the barley and the wheat and the stores and everything like that. So now Naomi's thinking, man, this is taking a long time. This is taking a long time. He's not making a move. Nobody's making a move. And we want to secure a husband for this woman. And because he is a, a relative, the law says that he can become a kinsman. Kinsman, redeemer. He can actually, the little plot of land that Naomi has... She can actually sell it to him, and then it will stay within the family. But also, because Ruth is a a single woman now, he can also marry her. So she says to Ruth, come on, Ruth, I want to tell you something. I want you to do exactly what um, I want to instruct you, and we're going to get this ball rolling. We're going to get things happening. We're going to get this romantic uh, story happening. So she tells her to get dressed and to go in and uh, lay at his feet. 
And, um, and when he, this guy goes in after a full day's work, his work and everything, he goes into the, into the, um, the threshing place and um, he falls asleep. And when he wakes up in the middle of the night, there she's laying at the f- oh, his feet. And uh, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And you've got to think, this guy's a bachelor. Nobody's been able to catch him. Right? Think about, you know, this really wealthy guy, right? And the whole city has been trying to find someone for him. No one. And now this Moabite woman comes in, listens to the mother, lays at the feet. And then what does she do when he wakes up? She proposes. She proposes to him. And she says, come and cast cast your, your, your garment over me. And she proposes to him. And what does he do? He says, you are, you're an honorable woman. You're an honorable woman. And let's just see that next scripture up here. So above, next one. The Lord will repay you a full reward, be given to you by the Lord of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. So here she is. She is now putting a demand on the relationship that he has with the family. And she says to him, you need to redeem me. You need to redeem my legacy. You need to redeem Naomi. You need to redeem us so that we can have a legacy. And she puts a, 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 a demand on him. And he immediately, the Bible says, immediately he takes up the challenge and he says, yes, I will. He immediately enacts the king's and redeemer um, law to, to her. And so as she goes out, the ne- very next day he meets with the family members and begins to set things in order and he actually then becomes a kingsman redeemer, which is what this scripture talks about. When you come under the refuge of a kingsman, you come under their wing. The moment you come under, they become responsible for you. And this is what happened. Ruth now comes under him. And he, not only did she propose, but he, he buys the plot of land from Naomi's to stay in the family. And then he marries her. And then this Moabite woman becomes his wife and they get married and she falls pregnant with a little boy called Obed and he is the grandfather of the great King David. This Moabite woman comes into the lineage of Jesus because she came under his wings. When you take refuge under the wings of God, he becomes your redeemer. This is what God wants to, and I feel it so strongly today. You might have gone through difficult situations, but when you seek refuge under the name of the Lord, he works for you to set everything in order. You don't have to step out and try to make it happen yourself. And this is the story that unravels the truth that this Moabite woman comes in and begins to pull on the law of kingsmen, pulls on that redeeming law and says, God, this now is your problem. You set it up so that I can come under your wings of protection. I can come under your wings of acceptance. I can come under these wings that you have um, placed for me. And now you will become my advocate and you will become the one 
who sets things in order. And this is what Jesus has done. When he came, he actually, he actually put his wings over every one of us. Today, I don't know what you're facing, but it's time for all of us to understand that we have to come under the Kingsman Redeemer wings. We've got to come underneath that, and we've got to come under and allow him to begin to work the miracle. You may be in a mess but I want to tell you that your mess is the miracle. God's going to turn it into a miracle. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. Maybe what you're going through doesn't make sense. But I want to tell you that he has a plan at work. And these girls, they, they, they found themselves in all these situations. And yet the guiding hand of God was on everything that they did. God's hand of provision, God's hand was working in every situation. As they came in, here he is, and I love it. Psalm 18, 36 says, As for God, his way is perfect, and the word of the Lord has been tried. He is a shield unto them that take refuge in him. Today, you need to stop trying to sort all your problems out yourself and get under the wing, get under him, come and seek his refuge. God, you're the safe place. You're my safe place. When we come in under the wings of God, the canopy of God, come and nuzzle in there. God begins to work in your situation. You stop working. You start believing. That's your work. Your work is to believe. God, he's so Awesome that today he's your hiding place for you to come in underneath his wings. You may have been just like, like Naomi, experienced such bitterness. But don't let it be your identity. Come under, come under the wing and allow the Holy Spirit to work a work of grace in your life. You might be like an, a, a Ruth, an outsider, but today... Because you come in underneath the wings of his presence. You, you belong there. You're part of it. When you take refuge, he becomes your redeemer. Listen to Romans 8, 28. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our life is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Here you have these two women. Their destinies were forged together, forged together and you know what? The people in your family, I want to encourage you, just don't treat them like strangers. Begin to really develop and know what family is all about because your destinies are entwined. Your destinies are part of each other. Your destinies are there. There's something so exciting about what God is doing. And you know, family is so important. The, more, the older I get, the more I understand. Family is so important. And your time and your investment, you, you need to give yourself into that. Connect, learn, grow, develop. Because God wants to do mighty things in your family. Mighty, mighty things. And I see that now, even in my family over the last few weeks. Reconnecting with family all over the world has been just such a blessing. You know, we don't want to live like little islands. We want to actually live connected lives and really invest into those lives Maybe you have gone through some different struggles. Maybe you've gone through your, your bitter moments, but do not let them become your identity. You need to stay out of, stay, pull yourself out of it under his wings and say, God, you make all things work together for good. You make all things. I don't understand. I tell you what, Naomi did not understand. 
She did not understand. Ruth did not understand. That why is there broken? Why is there death in my family? They don't understand, but because they came and they surrendered to the will, now this sovereign will of God begins to move them. And now you have the lineage of Jesus. There's a woman called Ruth there. Because they flowed, because they, they, they went under the wings, God was able to do something. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what God has in store for you. You don't know what God, the, the, the miracle God is about to, to do in your life. But you don't want to just, you don't want to abandon the call. You want to grab hold, as we said in the beginning. You know, I take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me for. There was a purpose in Ruth's life coming into the family of Elimelech. And he came. Okay, tragedy happens. But now you see the unfolding plan of God all the way up. Listen to 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. I love it. Every scripture is God-breathed. And you pick up this Bible and there's the book of Ruth. But in this book of Ruth... God's anointing is speaking to you. It's God-breathed. It's given by his inspiration. It is profitable for instruction. Do you need instructions in your life? Go to the word. For reproof, maybe you know you're, you're a little bit out of step and you need to be reproved and come back in. For the conviction of sin, maybe you're involved with something and you need to, you need to be out of it. You need the Holy Spirit conviction. And it's also this inspired word is for correction of error and the discipline of obedience. And it's also for our training in righteousness. Christ has come and he has made us the righteous and we need training. Every one of you are in boot camp. Every one of us are in training in your home, how you treat your family, how you treat your spouse. You are in training. I want you to, this week, know that God is watching you and God is instructing you how to behave, how to outwork. And it's so, so important. And just like Ruth and Naomi, it's time for us to come under the wings of, of the Spirit of God to come and surrender and yield, come under His Word so that God will work in your life. And he will make, you might not have the answer you want in your situation. You know, it's like with my father, the last few years, just walking with him and like, why, 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 why? Okay, let's just let the why go down. And just, just embrace that God knows and that his ways are above my ways. And I can surrender. I can come under the wings of his refuge. And I can trust him that he will work it out for good. You may not understand it. But you don't have to when you're trusting him. That he's going to make it good. Maybe there's challenges that you're facing. And bitter places that you're facing. But this is the time where you have to learn. I'm going to come on. I'm going to be a refugee. I'm going to come under and just yield to the God, sovereignty of God to begin to work things in this season. Amen, church? God is good. This is a nice little movie time. So go home and read that. It's a movie. It's a great little, I wish I made a proper movie. Like, and I love the picture there. You have the strength of the young woman and the wisdom of the old woman. Sometimes that God's going to knit your, your life with people around you. And you're going to have this ability 
to see things differently because of that relationship. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Remember that God is working behind the scene. And when it looks like things are out of control, control, remember, you don't need to be in control because he's in control. God is in control, amen? God is working. We can hide confidently. And today, I just want you to stand with me now. And I just want you to imagine yourself under the wings of God's provision. God's wings are around you. His, his mantle is around you. His, his life is around you. Hide under his wings. Your mess is about to become a mighty miracle. As you come into agreement and allow God, allow God to do it, let's this morning just make a fresh commitment to come under the wings of God. Amen, church. Let's just stand as we just come to a close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you that your word declares, Father, that we can find safety and refuge under your wings. That whatever circumstance we're in, we may not understand it. We may not understand how and why and when. But Lord, we know that you work all things together for good to those who are called. And today, God, we just don't want you to call us. But Father, we want to seize our call today afresh. We take hold. If that's you, just lift your hand up. If you're saying yes, today I'm going to take hold of the calling of God on my life. I just want you to raise hands right across this place. Father, I just thank you for every person here, Lord God, that this is not one way. Father, this is not just you wanting us, but Father, we're wanting your will. We're wanting your way. Even as Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in my life, Father. I come under. Father, I seek refuge under your wings today. I come fresh today. I come fresh under your protection, fresh under your providence, fresh under your power. Today I come fresh and I position myself, Father. Father, even as these women did, even as Ruth did, she came under. She called on the name of the Lord. She called on the God of Israel. She got rid of her idols, got rid of all the stuff, Father, and she came in and sought refuge, Father, under the wings of Almighty God. And I pray today, Father, that you'll touch every heart, Lord God. Father, I declare that the mess will turn into a miracle. Father, I declare that today, God, Father, that we will not call ourselves bitter. Lord, we'll not call ourselves after the things we go through. But Father, we'll sit, Father, at a table prepared by you in the midst of what's going on and feast on your word, Father, and be strengthened by your word, Lord. We're going to be strengthened, Lord God, that you will show us the things that come, that you will anoint our eyes so we will see, Father. You'll anoint our ears so we will hear you clearly, Lord God. And Father, I pray for every family here, God, that you'll strengthen the family unit, Lord God. Father, we see the world attacking family, attacking uh, all kinds of values that you have, God. But Father, we sit in the glory of Jesus under your protection and we declare, Father, that your word is truth, Lord God. And we thank you for every mother in this place. Father, you declared in your word that women are the glory of men. Women are not men and men are not women, but women are the glory of men. And Father, we pray for an elevation now of every woman here in this place, Father. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are honouring the women. You're honouring the women here in the house, Lord. You're honouring the women, Lord God. And Father, we declare, Father, your word is truth, Father, that you love men and women created in the image of God. And Father, we thank you that we are image bearers 
we don't bear the image of the world and we don't bear the image of our circumstances. We bear the image of God. And Father, we just thank you and give you praise today. Let's just glorify God together. Let's give God a hand this morning. Amen. Amen. What a a powerful word. What we're going to do now is... uh,